Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. All right. Good morning, everybody. We are glad that you're here. Hey, this is a great place to be on Labor Day weekend. I know there's a lot of other good places to be, but we're thankful that you're here this morning. I just want to say this. I know that life gets busy. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But listen, never take a break from God. Not that you have to be here to do that, but we appreciate every time you guys come through these doors because we know God has something for all of us. Amen? So thanks for coming out this morning, everybody. Open up your Bibles. Turn to Revelation 3.1. We're going to get rolling here with today's message. I do want to let you know, don't forget, it is fall harvest. Say fall harvest. <clears throat> we, I, don't, I want to apologize for over-communicating. I don't think you can over-communicate the importance of this upcoming season with everybody. So we just appreciate you getting on board and being a part of what your church is doing for those who call this place home. Inviting people out. It's one of the greatest opportunities to invite people to church and they'll say yes. And so it's proven statistically. We leverage our influence. We put resources together, plan to get everything in order for a great fall harvest. So we need you guys working with us to do that. So thank you so much in advance for all that you're doing and what you'll do these upcoming weeks. We have a great series. You've seen all the other things going on around the campus, something for everyone. But I have a series I'm starting calling Broken. You might be wondering what that is. And the reality is that we live in a broken world, but that's not what God intended. God didn't create brokenness. He didn't create a broken world. Brokenness came in through man's choices, but God provided a way for us to live unbroken in a broken world. And I think sometimes we just, because the world around us is broken, we're so used to brokenness, we just kind of settle in and we just try to manage the brokenness in life and try to, instead of trying to get back to that place of unbroken as God always intended. And I just want to give you two definitions. The definition of broken, I wrote this down this morning. The definition of broken is having been fractured or damaged, no longer in one piece or in working order, and having given up all hope. If you look in the dictionary, that's what the definition will be, and we realize that because a lot of that is just described our life, in particular our relationships. And so, but God has a better way, and his desire is for us to walk unbroken in this broken world, and so unbroken is this, sound, whole, constant, endless, unbeaten, undefeated, unmatched, unrivaled, supreme, intact. And can I tell you, I gotta stop there because I just preached this three by five card right here in my hand. But that's God's intent. God's intent for us is to live unbroken in a broken world. And so I wanna encourage you to come on out, invite somebody out with you. We all have brokenness in areas of our life and we're gonna address that in the word and see God's plan for those things to be repaired and restored. Protect that which is still unbroken and then repair and restore that which is. So God is a good and faithful God, amen? All right, I'm excited about the word on my heart this morning, although I think I was just going to be content to, li- to listen to Pastor Dave preach. That was awesome. I was good with that, but uh, <laughs> that was good. I appreciate him being obedient to the spirit of the Lord, amen, and encouraging all of us in that. But get your Bibles out if you haven't already. Open your Bible, open your iPad, open your eyes, <laughs> those who have fallen asleep already, uh, and turn to Revelation 3 for me. So we're just kind of at this in-between place. It's, it's a great place to be in one sense because we know God's transitioning us from our 35-year anniversary celebration, the measure of a great church, which I hope that you all were able to come out for some or all of that. If not, then you can certainly go online, go to our archives, listen to it. I want to encourage you to do that. If you were here, I'd encourage you to go back again because it talks about the heart of who we are as a church and where we're going. Um, if you weren't here, then you need to go back and listen and hear that as well. So it's just, I think, very uh, encouraging, inspiring um, to know what God is doing and will continue to do in our hearts and lives as we're obedient to his plan and purpose for Tree of Life. 
And then this coming week, you already heard, we're starting a new series on broken. So what do we do today? So my heart was really, how can we transition from getting our marching orders, if you will, into the fall harvest? And I really felt God just put something in my heart, and I wasn't really headed here. <clears throat> so obviously, I had a different plan, <laughs> and, then God, and then God really got me on track. And I learned a long time ago, it's always good to preach what God wants <laughs> instead of what I want. And so I really feel he's just going to take us to a place today preparing us for this upcoming fall harvest. And really, I think the idea that we need to get this morning is we need to be ready. We need to be refreshed. We need to be renewed. Um, I was thinking about and tying it to the harvest. I know before a, a farmer goes out, not that I am one, but from talking to him and seeing with my own eyes, a farmer before the harvest, he goes out into the field, he gets his equipment ready. I mean, that just makes sense, right? He takes time fixing, repairing, restoring. Hey, he gets the oil change or whatever, make sure air in the tires. I, I don't know what all they use, but the equipment's in working order. And can I say today, I really think he wants to get our equipment in working order today uh, because there's a big fall harvest out there and we need to be ready for maximum impact, amen? <clears throat> so we're gonna talk about getting refreshed today. And so again, we're gonna start here in Revelation 3. And so let me start with verse one and two. Here's what it says. To the angel of the church of Sardis, write this. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God. And if you're confused what that is, the seven spirits of God are like the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, uh, the, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of understanding. And the seven stars are the seven angels assigned to those churches, the seven churches. I know your deeds, he says. Now here's what he's saying. I know your deeds. I know what you're doing. You're doing good stuff there. I know your deeds, uh, you have a reputation being alive, and listen to this last phrase, but you're dead. <laughs> so he's saying, hey listen, I know you're doing good stuff. I mean, you got a lot of great things going on, you're working hard, you're doing a lot of stuff there in, in Sardis, and you're, you're just doing a lot. And then he says, in fact, you have a great reputation. I mean, everybody around you knows that that's a place that does stuff. That's a place that has a lot going on. But listen to how he ends this, he says, but this, but you are dead. I, I think maybe we moved on, but let's go back to verse one, if you don't mind, it says, but you're dead, you're doing, listen to this, you're doing all this great stuff, you're working hard, you're busy, I mean, you got lots going on, but you're dead. And so he can't be referring or talking to the activities of the church. You know, he's speaking to there is, it's great that you're doing all this stuff, but what he's talking about where you're dead is his relationship or the relationship with God, their connect with God. And can I say this this morning, it's great to be doing the work of the Lord, but you can't neglect your relationship with the Lord. <clears throat> In fact, the danger for a lot of people and a lot of believers are this, this, the work of the Lord is the relationship with the Lord and it's not true. So and sometimes that's how we make ourselves perhaps feel good, but then we don't have necessarily have to devote the time to build that relationship with God. And that's a huge trap for an individual for a church. And so he's addressing it here. Listen, we're busy and we're going into a busy season, but remember that the busyness of the fall harvest cannot replace our relationship with God. That has to, in fact, the reverse is true. The more you focus on your relationship with God, the more you'll be able to do for God or the more effective you'll be for God. Because understand, effectiveness or busyness does not necessarily mean effective, right? And we talked last week about people reaching people and getting the priority, the main thing, the main thing. We wanna make sure we're in line with God's want, will, and desire and the relationship we have with him will help reveal that to us. So he's talking to him, he's like, listen, you're busy and you're gonna be busy and that's great, but don't forget me. Don't forget your relationship with me. Then he goes on to say this, <clears throat> verse, next verse, wake up, realize this, you need to see it, you need to understand, strengthen what remains and is about to die, that relationship, for I have found your deeds unfinished 
in my sight or in sight of my God. Again, he's saying, listen, you need both. You need both. You have to. You can't, and so here's what we'll do. We'll focus on one and think it equates to both, and it doesn't. Even if it's works or even if it's just our relationship. Works are a result of the outflow of your relationship with God. And sometimes works as a priority replaces our relationship. So he says you need both to be complete. So let's go on and look down to then to verse six, uh, 15. Here's what it says. I know your deeds, again, man, you're doing great stuff, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either one or the other. Now, hold on for a second. He says this. I, I know that I wish that you were cold or hot. Now, a lot of people teach this wrongly, I believe. I believe it's not in the sense of you're hot, that that's good, and you're cold, that that's bad. That's not what he's saying here. It's not what the illustration is. He's saying you need to be all in. You need to be all in hot. You need to be all in cold things. Cold is not necessarily a disconnect from God. We equate that to not having a relationship with God, but that's not the illustration. The illustration is whatever you're doing, do it all. Let me give you an example. Um, I don't know how many of you guys like to drink tea. I love drinking tea. I love iced tea, and I love hot tea. But I don't like when my iced tea sits out on the counter all day, then I go take a drink, and I don't like when my hot tea sits on the counter and I go take a drink. Why? Because it's in its lukewarm. It's not good. Come on, who gets a picture here? Right? Ice cream is best served cold. Come on. And pizza, in my opinion, is best served hot. So he's saying those are both good things, but you need to be all in is what he's saying. Quit playing in the middle. Okay, don't be on cruise control, don't just be, you know, kind of casual Christian or whatever, just don't just be a church attender. He's saying, listen, you gotta be all in. And he says if you're lukewarm, that's not a good thing. In fact, he goes on to say this. <clears throat> so because you're lukewarm, you're in the middle, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. I don't like lukewarmness, he's saying here. He's saying we need to be all in. So this fall, we need to be all in. We need to do what we need to do in reaching the harvest. And he says this, he says that people then that are neither hot nor cold, people that are lukewarm, people that are just doing a lot of things but not close to him, people that are just kind of coasting or on cruise control, here's what he says, or actually here's what he invites us to do in verse 20. He says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and what will I do? I will eat with that person and they with me. So he's extending an invitation to who everyone, anyone, that feels like they're neither hot nor cold, feels like they're kind of lukewarm, maybe feels kind of like they're coasting, maybe they feel like they got one thing over here but not this over here, they've neglected this. Here's the invitation to everyone that feels that way. He's saying, I wanna sit down with you and spend some time with you face to face. When you look at that and it says, I wanna share a meal with you, that speaks to intimacy. That speaks, I wanna sit across the table from you, Don, and look right into your eyes and see your heart. I wanna hear you, I want you to hear me, I wanna feel all that's going on, I wanna be there. And you know what's interesting to me? Every time we talk about, uh, with an issue in our life, one of the, the answer typically always is getting closer to God, isn't it? And so I think before we move into the fall harvest with our marching orders from the last series, we need to take a moment today, see where we're at. And we're gonna talk about some symptoms or some things, but we're having an opportunity today, and at the end of our service, we're gonna take communion corporately all together, I'll explain it then, but we're gonna take a moment and just see where we can reconnect and be refreshed and be renewed because there's a big harvest that awaits, but we need to get things in order in our life, and we need to really connect with God in that way. And so I'm excited about that as we close out the service today to take that communion. Well, here's what it says in Revelation 22:17. Really what we're describing is found here. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty say, thirsty. 
let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes uh, take the free gift of the water of life. And what I want to say today is if you're feeling dry or spiritually dry today, we can drink deeply from the spirit of God, amen? And we all need to be refreshed. We all need to be renewed to move forward in what God has for us. And so we're gonna talk about that, spiritual dryness. We wanna renew our passion for Jesus. We wanna connect to our first love. We need to make sure that we are where we need to be this morning to get ready. And honestly, it's good for us to make sure some things are renewed in our hearts and in our minds. You know, because honestly, our path, our journey and walking with the Lord, I mean, it has its ups and downs. No matter who you are, it has its ups and downs. There's an ebb and flow to life. You might describe it as a roller coaster. You know, there's days of great passion for the things of God, and there's days where it is dry, dry as a bone. <clears throat> there are times when you're head over heels in love with God, and there's times when you've lost that love and feeling, right? We've all been there. We've all been there. And I think it's important for us to find out where we are and then figure out what we need to do. And again, the reality is that we all find ourselves in those places. The goal is to know what to do when you get dry. And and let me say it this way. A true disciple is not one who never has dryness. It's the one who knows what to do when he does get dry. So a true disciple is not one that never has dryness. It's the one who knows what to do when he does get dry. And that's what we wanna do this morning. Give us the tools to know what to do when we get dry. We wanna be revived, refreshed, So let's learn how we move forward in this next season. Let's take a look at a couple symptoms real quick. Let me give you some symptoms that you might see in your life to help see where you're at as far as spiritually dry goes. I'm gonna give you the first one, reoccurring sin. That's a great symptom for you. Reoccurring sins. The thing that you keep doing over and over again is the habitual sin. It's the thing that uh, you, you, you wanna stop, but you don't stop. And the more you keep doing it, the kind of the less convicted you get, the more comfortable you get with it. It's the thing that, at one point in time, you would not dare touch or be a part of, but now it's kind of something that you do. It's something that is an indication of spiritual dryness. We've, we've kind of gotten dry a little bit. We haven't sat across the table from him with that meal as, much, as often as we should. And so that's a, a symptom of uh, reoccurring sin. Uh, there's uh, things in our life that we continue to do over and over again. Number two, let me give you another symptom. That's a, it's a sense that I don't have all that there is that you know when you're, you don't really aren't getting where you need to get, that you're not having what you should have, you know that when you need to go further, deeper, I mean, you really don't at times need anybody to tell you, you know there's more, and for whatever reason, you're just not choosing, choosing to go there, but you know that there is, so it's this sense I don't have all that there is, I know there's more to it. And let me give you the last one, <clears throat> last symptom, that there's something wrong in your attitude. There's something wrong in your attitude, and maybe it, as expressed in anger or sarcasm or coarse humor. Um, you ever been there when you know you've done something, reacted some way, said something, and you walk away and say, why did I do that? Why did I act like that? That's not me. Or maybe you had someone close in your life that you've done something, said something, acted a certain way, and they said, man, where'd that come from? That's not you. And as much as you want to be mad at that person, you should be thankful they're pointing out your spiritual dryness. And in fact, you know, what we should say is like, what was that all about? You're spiritually dry. <laughs> but before you do that, go look in the mirror, take the plank out of our own eye first, right? And that we're supposed to do. <clears throat> but you know, those three things, reoccurring sin, a sense that there's more to it than I'm really experiencing, and then also that uh, kind of the attitude thing, and that's why it's important to have people in our lives that will help us see things we don't see. And so those are all symptoms of spiritual dryness. And so instead of being defensive about it and denying it, we need to recognize it and do something about it. Let's take a look at Psalm 63. 
verses one and two, here's what it says. A Psalm of David, when he was in the desert of Judah, obviously a dry place, the desert, you God are my God, earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I'm in a dry place. It goes on to say this. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. And he's just described that journey that we're on, the ups and downs. That he's been in the places where he's seen the power and glory of God and then he's been in the places that actually he currently is in the place where he feels dry, spiritually dry. But he thirsts and long, longs for more. He's been there, we've been there. We've been in those places. And David said, I find myself right now in a dry place. I'm not always there, but I am there right now. And so I wanna give you seven things to look at that need to be worked on. And you may be okay or doing okay with some of these and you may have experienced them one time or another, but we all will all do some of these at some point in time. But I'm gonna give you seven reasons for spiritual dryness in our life. Spiritual dryness in our life. Number one, unrelenting trials and temptations unrelenting. The key word there is unrelenting. Unrelenting trials and and temptations. Now, if I ask for a show of hands, how many have ever experienced that or currently are, all our hands would go up. That's life. I mean, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, seeking whom he may devour. But here's what I want us to understand this morning, especially with the word unrelenting, because all of us are tempted and we all have trials, but I believe there are times the devil ramps it up. Come on, he picks it up against you sometimes. And he makes things a little more intense, a little more fierce. He picks his game up. He comes after you a little bit harder. And it's especially the time when we're fixing to do something great for God. We see that at the church. Here, we're, in, we're ready for fall harvest. We've been planning and praying for months. And we have been fighting some of the biggest fights and some of the biggest battles as a church, as a staff. We've been fighting. And it's because the enemy knows that we're ready to mobilize and move forward and he wants to stop us. So. Have you ever been in a time where it's like every day, right? You feel like every single day, what else can happen? Oh my goodness. You just put this fire out and you think you get a break and another one pops up. Have you been there? It's like, are you kidding me? What else could happen? It's like all of a sudden this, we've been there and the church was like, are you kidding? This happened and now this family and this happened over here and this thing didn't work and this happened. It's like, man, it's never ending. Is that just me? I mean, that's just me. I don't know. Pray for me if it is. But it's like this this unrelenting thing in the enemy. And I just, I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning that if you feel that way and you don't do anything about it, it will just suck the life out of you. You'll get tired and you'll get weary and you'll become spiritually dry. Spiritual weariness and dryness and where you just can't fight any longer. Look at how David handled this. Look at what David said. Psalms 143, three through four. The enemy pursues me. And listen, that's why we need to pursue God. You know, you never get a chance, you never get a place the enemy is gonna leave you alone per se. I'm just gonna be lukewarm. It's okay for me to be lukewarm. Can I say it's never okay for you to be lukewarm because the enemy pursues you? Come on. It's not okay for you to coast or be on cruise control, why? Because the enemy pursues you. And so because the enemy pursues you, you need to be in pursuit of God. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in darkness. This is encouraging. Like those long dead. Thank you, pastor. I'm glad I came to this this morning, right? All right, the next, the next verse. So my spirit grows faint within me and my heart within me is dismayed. If you don't deal with it, the pursuit of the enemy, the unrelenting pursuit will wear you out. <clears throat> and I just want you to know this morning that if you leave your walk in a dry place or maintenance mode, the devil will work harder to keep you from God than you'll work to get close to him. 
Right, let, me just, let me just call it as it is this morning, and you gotta love me. Well, the Bible says you have to. You <laughs> choose what you wanna do. <laughs> I think the problem a lot of times with us is the devil outworks us. This is a reality, right? I mean, the devil outworks us. He doesn't give up. We get tired, we get weary, we quit, we surrender, but he doesn't give up. And so honestly, I believe a big part of our issues in life, because we win if we'll fight the fight, is that he just outworks us. That's just the long and short of it. He just outworks us a lot of times. I believe the enemy just flat outworks us most of the time. And it says, we get to those places, my spirit grows faint. But let me encourage you for a moment. If the enemy has ramped up his attack on you in the form of trials or temptations, either or both of those, let me say this, you are probably close to something huge God is wanting to do in your life. You're probably on the verge of the greatest breakthrough you've ever seen or experienced because the enemy schemes to destroy what God is doing or wants to do in your life. He does. Now, let me say this. You can agree with me or not on this. Here's, here's what I think about it. Now, here's what we know. Number one, God knows all, everything. He knows everything from beginning to end, everything that ever was, ever will be. He sees it all. He is everywhere all the time. The devil's not. The devil doesn't have that ability, so don't give him that credit. He doesn't have that ability. He's not God. God's the only one that can. So the devil's limited, but the devil operates in the spiritual realm, okay? Now, you and I operate primarily in the natural realm. So when we operate in the natural realm and the devil operates in the spiritual realm, he can actually see more than we see. Come on. He can see more than we see because he operates in the spiritual realm, but he can't see everything God sees because he's not God. So here's what happens. The devil seeing in the spiritual realm sees God positioning a person or a people based on their faithfulness and their obedience and their faith to do something great for him. The devil doesn't know exactly what that is, but he's not gonna sit back and let that just happen, so he's gonna get after him. So if you're trying to get things on track and start moving forward in God, and God's been positioning resources and things and opportunities around you, the devil doesn't know exactly what's gonna happen, but he's gonna try and disrupt that. Let me give you a couple examples in the scripture. How do I know that? Well, the Bible's very clear. Remember when the children of Israel were in slavery and bondage to Egypt and God wanted to send a deliverer and he wanted to send a man to deliver them? The enemy didn't know who he was gonna send, so he killed all the male kids. And Moses' mother took him, put him in a basket and floated him down the river. Now, the devil didn't know about that or he would have tried to head that off. He just tried to kill, kill all the male children at that point in time. So when Jesus was being born on the earth, again, you read the scripture, the devil knew that God was sending a deliverer to the earth. He didn't know who or where. So again, in that day, he had the rulers of that day kill all the male babies. But Jesus, uh, Joseph and Mary went around all that and so he didn't get killed. Does that make sense? So the devil sees things going on spiritually and he knows God's, God's building something. He's getting the people ready. He's getting the family ready. He's getting the marriage ready. He's getting somebody ready to do something great. I don't know exactly what it is because I don't know all there is to know, but I'm gonna try and disrupt that. So just maybe you're on the verge of something great in God. Just maybe you're on your verge of your biggest breakthrough. Don't let the enemy keep you from it. Don't let him do it. Don't let the enemy keep you from it. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. He will flee. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in this church. James 1.12 says this. Gotta keep going. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Amen. That's good news. 
We don't have to turn there, we won't turn there for time's sake, but you can write this down, go look in Isaiah 55. You can read that chapter right there, but the first part of that chapter talks about where we spend our time, energy, and effort. And it says this, that we're spending time, energy, and effort in so many other places where it should be spent connecting with God on the things that really matter. And so we have to make sure that we are refreshing, we are connecting in a way that we, get, we eliminate the spiritual dryness in our life. Um, we need to make sure that we know what's most important, connect to it. Let me give you something else that can cause dryness. Number two, personal tragedy, personal tragedy. This is anything that goes against what you've planned, what you'd hoped, what you'd expected. It's the unexpected. It's the thing that caused hopelessness and grief. It really comes on kind of like an exhaustion. It's really associated, the exhaustion associated with the event kind of just drains you, just takes all, all, everything out of you. Look what David says in Psalm 61.2, 61.2. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Now listen to this. As my heart grows faint, I call, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I call out to you in my spiritual dryness. I call out to you and my heart grows faint. He's saying that in the middle of the, the time you feel that God let you down, God, where were you? God, why didn't you answer my prayer? God, I thought you would do this. God, I thought you would do that. In that time, you know what he says? Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. See, we need to run to God, not from God in those times. We need to run to him, not from him, when our prayers aren't answered. We want to run to him, not from him, when things didn't turn out the way that we'd hoped, prayed, or believed they would. Why? Because he is the rock. He is the stability. He is the strength. He is the stability in my instability. He's the strength in my weakness. His ways are higher than my ways. So in our times when our heart grows faint and our dryness, we need to cry out to God. We need to run to him. That's the moment you run to God. If you do, you'll land on a rock, solid footing, health and stability. Number three, causes dryness, attacks from others. Ouch, attacks from other people. Criticism, meanness, criticalness, gripes, griping, all that. What does that do? It sucks the life out of you. I don't want to hear it any longer. Hey, I got feelings. Why can't we all just get along, right? That's my thing. Why can't we all be friends? Why do you got to be mean? Why can't we just be nice? I don't understand that. Can I say this? I, 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 I just, I don't like that. I don't like that. And that's one of the biggest reasons I'm not on social media anymore, at least on Facebook. I just, my staff does a good job of keeping all the opinions and all the experts on doing church that don't even go to church half the time, never pass it on. It keeps all that, a lot of that negativity from coming to me. I don't need to feed on that. I don't need to feed that on that in me. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not on Facebook anymore. And maybe I don't know enough how to manage those things. But anyways, listen, those things hurt. And it'll suck the life out of us. It'll cause spiritual dryness. But we can't allow that to happen. We can't allow that to happen. Here's what it says in Matthew 5, 11 through 12. Blessed, there's that word again. Blessed are you when people insult you. Can I tell you, I must be an extremely blessed man. All right? But see, look at it that way. When an insult comes, man, I'm blessed of the Lord. I'm a blessed person. Blessed are they when they persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Why? Because of me. That's gonna happen. It goes on to say this. Rejoice and be glad. Are you serious? The life is being sucked out of me and I'm mad at those people. And I'm gonna call fire down from heaven. I don't wanna rejoice. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. They persecute you the same way. Hey, we're in good company. 
then. But here's our response. Our response is not anger and hurt. I don't like that person. I'm mad at that person. That person can just do whatever they want or say, whatever. <laughs> but, I, but you know what that is? That's dishonoring to God. Because the Bible says rejoice and be glad for those who persecute you for righteousness sake. Listen, God loves people. We need to love people. No matter what, watch your love walk. Watch your love walk. Walk in love. And I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit that empowers us to watch our love walk because there's a lot of times I just can't do it in the natural. You know, I was growing up, my dad, dad would always say, I go to my dad and I'd just be so, oh, I can't believe this person did this or said this. You're not going to believe this, dad. You guys, you're not, I'm just, dad, listen. You know, my dad would always, always, always say, the first thing out of my dad's mouth would be, how's your love walk, son? I'm like, what are you talking about me? How's their love walk? You want me to make an appointment for him with you, dad? Why don't you kick him out of church? Something? My dad always, how's your love walk, son? How's your love walk? You know what? That's the key. It doesn't matter what other people do. And it says, in fact, we should be kind of blessed for righteousness sake, but we have to rejoice and be glad and, and we have to go to God. But if we go to a place of anger or hurt or bitterness for somebody else, we've dishonored God. That's what the Bible says. We've dishonored his word. So we have to be mindful of that. How's your love walk? Make up your mind to love people regardless of the way they act. If you don't, you can become spiritually dry. All right, number four, causes of spiritual dryness, working without rest. Working without rest. Let's not only revive our spirits, but our bodies. Oh, I needed a bigger amen than that one because that was a good point. That really is a good point. We need to revive our bodies, not just our spirits. And let me encourage you to try and quiet your schedule. Quiet your schedule, even if it's just finding moments where you turn off the TV, turn off the world, and listen to worship and revive your spirit. You know what I like to do? I like to get up before anybody else in my house. It is quiet in my house. I like to go downstairs and I turn on some worship music or something, even if it's for 10 or 15 minutes, and just get revived. Why? Because the world sucks it out of you. But you know what? Most of us are our own worst enemies. Most of us overschedule ourselves, and then we blame the devil or we blame everything else. Listen, we can turn the TV off for a few minutes to get some spiritual refreshing. We need to, because this world's spinning faster, it's getting crazier, and it's pulling on us more and more and more. It's attacking the things that we believe in more and more and more. There are so many demands on our life, and it's making us very, very, very weary. You know, and here's what I want to say as your pastor, and again, because I know that you, now I just gave you, you have to walk in love. Now I'm really going to hit you. <laughs> I set you up for that one. Here you go. Many times our answer to rest, come on, many times our answer to rest is staying home on Sunday morning. I've just worked hard all week. The pastor will understand. God will certainly understand. He's seen me work all week. And can I say this in love? Why do we lessen the times that we can come together corporately for spiritual renewal and spiritual refreshing? Why are we eliminating those things out of our schedule when those are some of the greatest ways? Not the only way. Not the only way. Some of the great. And I love Joel Osteen, but there's nothing like coming and getting spiritually refreshed in person. God created us to connect. That's why he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Well, I'm just gonna watch the stream or I'm just gonna go online and, and watch whoever and all this stuff. Man, that's great, but listen, there's something powerful about coming together in the spirit of God and being refreshed and renewed. And so the busier and crazier the world gets, the less and less people go to church. Are you serious? The more sin abounds, the less we're going to church because studies show that the average church attender now is considered, considered an average attender now once every three weeks. That's mind-blowing to me. Pastor, you're just trying to get more people in here. No, I'm trying to get more people connected with God and sit across that table when he's knocking on the door for intimacy to be spiritually revived and renewed. 
And people are gonna come and go, that's the way it is, but listen, I'm trying to help you get spiritually renewed and not be spiritually dry. But listen, we're eliminating some of the things that help make some of the differences in our life. And let me tell you a really quick story because I think it's so important right now, back in the Old Testament, you can look this up, that Abraham was believing to have a child and God promised him one uh, with Sarah, but he had Sarah's handmaid, Hagar, and had a boy named Ishmael. And then when Sarah and Abraham had Isaac, Sarah got angry and said, you need to get that lady and that kid out of here. And so he sent Hagar and Ishmael out in the desert with some water and some food. Wandering in the desert, they ran out of food, they ran out of water, and they were at a really dry place, as you can imagine, to the point of death. And so the Bible says that Hagar left Ishmael under a bush and she went far as far as a bow shot is, shooting an arrow out, so she couldn't hear the cries of her son. And in that moment of just laying there and crying out to God, God opened her eyes and right around her was a pool of water that had been there the whole time. She couldn't see it because she was so consumed by the dryness in her life, the busyness of life, the heartbreak of life. But if we'll take a moment and let God kind of intervene in our life and just say, okay, God, I'm here. I'm so busy, so many things are going on. I'm here. God will open your eyes and see the provision he's already placed around you. Always there, always. So we miss the pools of refreshing water round about us because we're too busy and we won't eliminate something less significant in our lives or we're placing our priorities in the wrong places. And it just might be when Pastor Dave got up here this morning to exhort, you know what he was doing for some of us out there? He was opening our eyes to see the pool of refreshing water right there by us because you came. We need to work and uh, we need to, what causes dryness is working without rest. Revive our bodies like our spirit. Let me give you that scripture, 2119. Then you can back the story up, go read it. But then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave it to the boy to drink. If you don't put yourself in a place where you can hear God, you're just walking around with closed eyes and missing the refreshing pools of water all around you. So we need to work to do that. Number five, cause of dryness, working without partnership. Working without partnership. There are still some that are convinced that they can do this on their own, and you can't. Okay, yeah, pastor, I can't do it on my own, but I'll need Jesus. I mean, I can do all things through Christ, and and with him, I have everything and, and, and all that, and that's true, but God set it up that you can't do it that way. You need Jesus and others and people. He created it that way. That's how he set it up. Listen, so that's why it's so important to get connected with fellowship groups, serving groups, life groups, small groups, teaching groups. You gotta get connected with people. And we're lying to ourselves to think that we don't need that. That's why we're continuing to emphasize in even a greater capacity, small groups and life groups and serving opportunities. You need to connect one with another. You need to do this with other people. God set it up that way. I know it takes more work. It's definitely not easier. It's harder, but it's better. It's better. Listen, life is better if someone else knows what you're going through. Galatians 6.2 says this, carry each other's burdens. In this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Listen, here's what the Bible says, carry each other's burdens. You need to connect with other people so they can carry yours and you can carry theirs. Listen, I'm not making an emotional plea today. You realize I'm just quoting scripture. In fact, let me read the scripture without emotion. I'm gonna get real emotional now, they just took it. Okay, now it's up there, okay, right. Carry each other's burdens, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. No emotion there, you make your decision. I didn't write it, he wrote it. I don't have to sell it, convince it, try and hype it, it's truth. 
If you're not willing to do that, you're not following the word of God. I mean, we're picking and choosing things that we want to do, but listen, you've got to connect with other people. If you're bearing your own burdens, your life is not fulfilling the word of God. Just right there. Okay, all right, and I can tell I need to move on. Okay. David said in Psalms 32, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Some of us are wasting away because we're not sharing it with someone else. Number six, got two more, I gotta finish. Number six, spiritual dryness. Number six, guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. Psychologists will tell you that the heaviest weight we carry in life is the weight of shame. The junk of the past, the stuff of the past. Look at Hebrews 12, one and two. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes. Now listen, here's our answer. Then how do we throw aside every weight, everything entangles us or hinders us? We fix our eyes on Jesus, our model, our example, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Now listening to this next phrase, scorning its shame. Scorning its what? Shame. Scorning the shame of the cross. And he sat down at the right hand of God. Why, what was he scorning? The shame of the cross. The shame of hanging there naked for all of mankind. The shame of hanging on that cross for sins he did not commit. The shame of, the shame of carrying the weight of the world that was not his to carry. And it says he scorned it. He was scorning uh, its shame. That word scorn means to put out of your mind. That's what it literally means. It means to put out of your mind. So while he's hanging on the cross naked, paying for something he didn't commit and, and being in front of everybody, the whole, all of mankind, if you will, he didn't put that, he put that out of his mind so he could fulfill it. Wow. Do we ever think about that when we think about the cross? And when Jesus was on the cross, he didn't put in his mind, he put out of his mind guilt and shame so he could finish. So what does that tell me? Guilt and shame is not mine to carry. He didn't come just to save me. He came to cleanse my mind of guilt and shame. Come on. He didn't come just to make sure I had a way to get to heaven. He came to make sure while I was on the earth that shame and sin or shame and guilt didn't weigh me down. That it didn't cause spiritual dryness in my life. So he put it out of his mind so I could put it out of my mind and it wouldn't cause spiritual dryness in my life. I mean, you need to see it that way because the Bible says, scorning the shame, he, he did it with joy. So we could be free from guilt and shame. Jesus didn't come just to forgive you, he came to cleanse you from the stain of guilt and shame. He takes away our sin. Number seven, last one. You'll find yourself spiritually dry when you neglect spiritual disciplines. When you neglect spiritual disciplines. Let me say it this way. Don't just do things because you feel it. Do things because they're right. Don't just pray because you feel like praying today or things are so bad and there's other days you don't because things are good. Don't just get in the word because you just like have some extra time. You really kind of need to find a scripture to stand on. Don't just come to church and work. You know what I'm saying? It's like we don't go by our emotions because honestly about most of the time, half the time, I don't even feel saved, (laughs) but I am. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like reading the word. I don't feel like getting together on Sunday mornings. Every Sunday, it might shock you, but it's true. <laughs> I don't feel, but you know, we do it because it's right to do. If we went based on emotions and just did things because we felt like it at sometimes, a lot of us wouldn't be married to our spouse because we didn't feel like we were in love with them. A lot of us, not me, my wife's gonna watch on the stream. 
A lot of you, no, I'm just kidding. A lot of people woke up the next morning after the wedding and thought, what did I do? We don't do things because we feel like doing them. We do them because of the right thing to do. Your spiritual disciplines in your life, giving, serving, praying, getting in the word, worshiping, we do those not because we feel like it, we do it because it's the right thing to do. And then our feelings will come when we engage God in that intimacy that he wants and longs for. So we're neglecting things in our life and it's causing spiritual dryness. And we're neglecting because we just don't want to do it. But you know what? I'd rather do something I don't want to do and be spiritually refreshed than go with my emotions and feeling and be spiritually dry. Don't neglect spiritual disciplines in your life. Last scripture, Hebrews 10, 36 through 39. Hebrews 10, 36 through 39. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, and but my righteousness, or my righteous one rather, will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. Now listen, I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Amen? We're going to keep doing the right thing because it's the right thing and we're not going to shrink back and we're not going to quit because we don't belong to those who shrink back and quit. We're going to keep doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do and we're going to trust God and we're going to walk it out in faith and we'll find spiritual refreshing as we do it. Amen? We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.